Most people, they want 20,000 emails. So where do I even start? You know, how do I get the qualified leads, etc.? If you only have a small subset and you work that list, it's very achievable to work with. You could dominate a puddle. If your foot doesn't make an impact on a puddle, something's wrong. But your foot in the ocean, it's just that other foot. You're on that same beach line, there's 300 feet. People will shame and guilt themselves to lose weight in the new year instead of having compassion. I have compassion and grace for myself. I love my body. My body's a temple. So I, I want to and will live a healthier life instead of like shaming and guilting. On that note, how are you talking to yourself? Are you being your best friend or are you being your worst enemy? Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back, guys. I got an interesting one for you guys today. I got a I got a young soul and an old soul on the episode today. He's an entrepreneur down in Southern Florida, down in Tampa, and we have a lot of mutual connections. He's in the marketing agency field, but uh, he usually works with a lot of more traditional type businesses. Uh, he works with uh, demolition type businesses uh, where he helps them get quality leads, get quality jobs. So it's, if you're looking to tear down a skyscraper or whether you're looking to tear down maybe a stadium, big jobs, uh, and a unique business uh, that is likely not going to go anywhere, but the tactics of getting those leads and getting those clients in the new digital economy uh, through ads, through different type of marketing streams, content, podcasts, all that fun stuff. Uh, it's a cool little blend of proven business model into, again, what I like to call the new digital economy. So proven welcome to the All for Nothing podcast show. Excited to have you. I know you're a podcast host as well, so you know how this game goes. And yeah, man, I'm excited for you to dive into some things that you learned over the years and uh, and who you serve and all the nuances in between. So again, man, welcome to the show. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. The nuances are going to be fun. I think uh, the gray area is where the growth is. So we'll have some some normal business stuff. And then we'll have maybe some abnormal, abstract, maybe a little philosophical type stuff. Go a little Joe Rogan, maybe less conspiracy theories. But yeah, let's have a good time. Conspiracy theories. Uh, we can go into those too. <laughs> that's the best part. That's the be What's your favorite conspiracy theory? Oh, man. There's so many of them. Let's see. You know what was interesting? Not that I... This is going to sound crazy. It's not that I don't believe that we landed on the moon. Oh, this done. is a, a fascinating one. Yeah, we're going there. <laughs> Um, you know, you see all these little TikTok videos and, you know, snippets and stuff, but this guy was pretty funny. He's like, all right, let's take a look at the rover that went on the moon. And he shows, you know, kind of the, the spaceship type thing that they took just to land on the moon itself. And he's like, where was the rover house? All right. So you're mm -hmm. looking at this thing. It looks like some, you know, eighth grader made it for a science project that they actually landed on the moon. And you're looking at it going, all right, so that's the thing that got on the actual planet, the moon itself, where did this little, like, <laughs> if you want to talk about it in Halo effects, like, uh, what was that little mobile they had in Halo that we all used to love to uh, you get in the back gunner machine? Yeah, yeah. Warthog. Yeah, it's like a warthog. Yeah. And you're like, all right, wait a second. How did they fit this warthog on this little creation made by an eighth grader? Uh, you know, we have him walking on the moon who got the camera and like, you know, like it was the first step, right? So how is the first step taking place? I assume someone back then had to go get some massive large camera for back in that day. It wasn't like a, a pen head, you know, type of small camera, like on a cell phone. 
So was he the first step? Or was it the guy who got the camera and put it on the moon to then film the first step? You know what I mean? Yeah, the guy with the camera. Who was that? I don't know. <laughs> Someone know. I mean, I'm I'm sure this is Hollywood a really knows. easy one to look up. But think they about that, Hollywood right? Knows. Yeah, they're they're saying these days that Hollywood knows who filmed it. There was a big time director too who was involved in. I mean, this is like very. I'm not Alex Jones. Very easy to find online. Um, really big, like sci-fi type director that was involved in the NASA world at that time. And there's theories that essentially it was for us to do it to show Russia that we had the prowess in the Cold World. So I don't know. What about you? What do you like to uh, dabble in conspiracy theory wise? Oh, man. Oh, boy. They'll put me in a sane asylum if I start talking about this. <laughs> Just give me one. That's all we need. <laughs> I mean, I, I went for the moon, which is like the biggest, I don't know, putting my foot up there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bold one. There's obviously a lot of controversy around it. I like, uh, we were talking about it off camera. Like, I'm, I'm a big advocate of energy. I'm a big advocate mm-hmm. of energy in terms of basically everything is energy, right? Energy and vibration. And that comes from kind of a stem from Nikola Tesla, which is once you understand, you know, vibration and energy and frequency, then you'll understand the world or whatever the technical quote is. Uh, when I say energy, it's more of, I think that there is a time that might have existed and or could exist now or in the future that we could be energy. I don't know the, the, the technical term. Like we don't need oil and we, we can maybe use things that we might have seen back in ancient Egyptian times, such as the yeah. obelisk. But when I'm using gold as a better circuit than copper to conduct energy. Uh, and if you think about money, if you think about Really, anything is just energy, right? Even human emotion is energy in motion, right? It's, again, uh, emotions is energy in motion. The energy you feel from people is like, man, that their vibe feels off, right? Again, even coming back down the money and how the new digital economy and Bitcoin is, is interrupting, you know, fiat currency and how money has worked with the central banking system and the feds, it's crypto miners you know, validating and verifying transaction on a mining machine that's plugged in, right? Using and consuming energy. And so a lot of times that uh, countries that we've seen in the past that say that they're considering to trade their oil, not using U.S. dollar or backed by U.S. dollar, uh, 9-11, how times you'll see they'll discover some weapons of mass destruction, if you will. So I think a lot of times we're just in a, a big game uh, of energy, just a control of energy. And whether it's money, whether it's energy for food, uh, whether it's energy for water, basic human needs and to operate civilization. My conspiracy is that ancient Egypt had figured out a way, uh, other quote unquote civilizations around the world using the energy grids already quote unquote instilled in earth based on where the pyramids were designed, the obelisks, which right. for those that don't know, it just looks exactly like the Washington Monument. It's my favorite conspiracy. Thinking okay. that we can, we can operate where we don't have an electric bill, where we don't have to have. <laughs> now you're talking like a solar salesman over here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I here, live in so. Florida, so we got to rep the, the solar sales. Yeah, it's just uh, it is an energy game. Like I, that's kind of like one of my favorites is thinking through that and different civilizations and just how 
humanity works, but energy business, business wise, you're, uh, again, yeah. you're down in Florida, you're down in Tampa, you're down a lot of like, you're a young entrepreneur, right? So you've been around the block, uh, with the marketing agency, helping people, whether, uh, you know, most people know a marketing agency, those that help, you know, coaches, consultants sell info product, uh, or maybe even actual products, running ads, creating and developing free resources and whatnot online, eBooks, things of that nature, right? Where you're kind of like their marketing arm. For you though, you've gotten more of the the new school versus the old school route, right? Helping yeah. people in like construction where, you know, they're just used to doing a good job and their neighbor refers them somebody, right? You know, actually understanding how to build a, a marketing agency to get high paying jobs, which is exactly what you've done for your clients, right? Yeah. I mean, effectively, I talked to one of my mentors earlier this week and we help rich people get richer, right? So figuring out, I'll give you an example. There's 5,000 roughly demolition companies in the US. Well, that's great. There's some guys who are single owners, you know, two or three dudes. They have a truck or two. They have an excavator or two. And that's great. More power to you. You're an entrepreneur. Uh, you are making a difference in the economy and you're helping people solve problems. But what my mind got really dialed into, which was great for marketing, it used to be like, hey, just help people who have pockets. We could help a lawyer, an accountant, a doctor, uh, what have you. Let's go do it. But with this world, the 5,000 became 2,000. So what I would say to people is don't be scared to niche down. I was scared to niche down for a long time. And I'm effectively sub-niching in the niche by saying, let's go after the deepest pockets. So we're going after companies that are doing a few million dollars a year, that have at least five employees and have been in business at least three years. So 5,000 a lot, a lot of you guys may be scared of, right? If you're selling insurance, <clears throat> if you're selling solar, if you're selling you know, cars or something, you go, man, 5,000 at the end of the day, consumers in the whole U.S. would be super scary, super limited. But what's cool to me, and I used to have that same thought, is I went from 5,000 to 2,000, so a subset of the total to the, the most, I guess we'll say, high-level but still achievable companies in the space. And it was so cool, Tyler, because now my mind only has to focus on 2,000. I don't even need, and I have this, I have a sales team, I have back-end operations, et cetera. But if you're young, hungry, something of that nature, if you could focus on just 2,000 contacts and you can go buy a list of data that has their email, their phone number, their address, whatever, you can go do some serious damage by simply reaching out to those 2,000, taking pen to paper or hiring a little company to do that. And for $4 a piece, let's say, send a handwritten letter, comes in a black envelope, with white print on the outside, almost looks like, let's say it's a, a gala invite, something that's going to pop and get past the front desk. And for $4 per contact in that example, per every time you mail, you're pretty sure you're going to get that in front of the right person. So that, that was something really cool to me. And I'm sure in your world, it's just kind of honing in and saying, hey, there's a big, massive funnel. And that's great. In certain cases, that makes sense you know what, let's focus on the people who have my money and I can help them make more of their money, way more than what I could ever charge. And it's just, it's really, really nice to look at that subset and say, if I can't dominate this 2000, knowing that I've done it time and time again for other people, 
then something's very wrong here. And I don't need more than 2,000 every single, in this case, month. We work on a monthly basis. I don't need more than 2,000 or even 10% of those 2,000 because if we had 200 clients, right? yeah, I'll be on the yacht, You know, not one that I'm leasing. <laughs> I wouldn't have to do it as a company write-off. I could if I wanted to. But um, yeah, I mean, even with a small percentage like that, frankly, even 1% of those 2,000 with our price point and the value that the clients receive because they're making millions of dollars every year, certain cases, millions of dollars per deal, and we land them many deals every single year. Well, that kind of mindset shift, I'd be curious to see if that gets your wheels turning from your experiences and what you're doing these days. It's for those listening, where would you, what's the most time and cost-effective way to get those contacts? Well, um, you want to give me an example? And we could, I mean, I could obviously tell in general, but maybe an example could be a fun little experiment. I want people to listen to this podcast show that are interested in uh, business, investing, learning some cool conspiracy theories where they're like, oh, well, <laughs> what is Tyler like actually quote unquote selling? If I go to his website, is it coaching consulting? Is it, you know, something cool based on, you know, to give you, I guess, more of like a clear client avatar, right? Like you give a very <laughs> good example of, hey, I'm working with people in demolition, but those that are in business for, you know, a couple of years that make millions of dollars, you know, X revenue. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty niche down based on 5,000. Like, okay, cool. The other 3,000, they probably just got started in the last couple of years. The likelihood in failing is 80 plus percent. So I'm not even going to put my time and energy into that. See how it comes back to energy. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe the show is not the best example. It's fun to talk through. Man, you put me on the spot. The show for me, man, I want it to be entertaining, informative, and fun. So I don't give a fuck who the guest is. And you might listen to a show that we're talking about business and demolition or we're talking about uh, something completely different, right? So I guess to give you an example, again, you put me on a spot, which is well done. So I want to help entrepreneurs go from seven to eight figures in the Midwest that okay. are like us, right? They're okay. 25 to like 40 and they understand like, the nuances, meaning they know what fucking social media is. They're kind of up to modern times, right? Mm-hmm. I understand that like, mm, I might need some help from a coach and consultant to kind of break through. Okay. Is there a particular niche that you really, really enjoy or that you guys just absolutely kill it for? Is that real estate investors? Is that realtors? Is that brokers? You know, crypto guys? I would say like digital entrepreneurs, meaning which you could say all of them are. If I'd say like coaches and consultants in themselves, right? Like okay. people that have an audience and they're like, man, I don't really know how to build a community off this or how to get low ticket or high ticket clients. I kind of help them with that, right? Or those that actually have maybe a pretty solid community or maybe a solid product and service, but they don't really know how to build the systems and get the attention and, you know, build the infrastructure, uh, and or capitalize on the infrastructure that they've already built. So I don't know if that okay. answers the question. Okay, so we're answering for Tyler. I got it. <laughs> got it, I got it. I think that's that's where we're going. Um, so a few quick things that I would do. I wouldn't reinvent the wheel. I would go after that geographic area that you referenced. I believe it was the Midwest. No. So I would go after that audience through things, like I said, not reinventing the wheel. People who like Grant Cardone's, people who like the Tony Robbins, People who like uh, 
the Elliot, the sales guy who's out in Arizona, uh, who's hardcore. I still don't know how he's that ripped in his forties. <laughs> that might be a conspiracy in and of itself. Um, <laughs> yeah, his energy output's pretty crazy, but I would essentially go after those big head honcho accounts, gurus, that kind of stuff. And I would retarget their audience. So the ways that you can do that is going and scraping groups on Facebook of people who are in their groups, right? It could be a private group. It could be a public group, et cetera. Um, you're then going to use your software to be able to look at the Midwest from there. Uh, you should have a lot of emails. What I would do is I would then put that up in a Facebook. I would put that into YouTube and I would do your best organic clips because that way, you know, you could debate it all day long yourself or with your team and say, well, I think they're going to like this clip. I think they're going to like this clip. This might resonate with them. No, I would just give them, feed them some of those clips that are advertised in the retargeting. So essentially using the email, the data of these people in that geo area. No, particularly that like these gurus of sorts already, they're kind of self-selective. And I would, again, use those already naturally organic, high-ranking material clips that you have. And uh, from there, I would engage with them to say, hey, you know, if you like this, click here to subscribe. You could bring them to a landing page. You could do it on the actual platform itself. And then I would make sure that you put them in an email list so that that way you can keep them extra fed. And then I would imagine you would put them into some sort of pipeline. And that could be something where you're giving them a low ticket offer or something where you're offering just high ticket cut through the noise. Um, but yeah, I would imagine those would be some quick and easy ways to do it. Um, in another example, let's say the solar guys, you know, if you're, if you're an agency and you're looking to work with solar companies, you can go on a website called cold lytics, cold lytics. Um, it's not D7 lead finder. In my opinion, it's way, way better. And you can put in a ton of data, um, revenue, geography, all, all kinds of fun stuff. And what they're doing is they're essentially scraping data. And then they're also putting humans behind it um, and using artificial intelligence to give you, in my opinion, what I found is the best, best, best emails, addresses, phone numbers, direct dials in certain cases of these owners. And then you can go, if you are an agency who's servicing solar, looking to get more solar clients, go that route and you can cold email them, you could cold call them. And something that you and I, I think are both really keen on is my team, we've completely gotten rid of general sales calls and general sales approaches, which is kind of crazy. We are now everything that we're doing, be it Facebook ads, cold email, cold calling, et cetera, mailers. Everyone in our 2000 subset in demolition is just getting an invite to be on our podcast. We think effectively our podcast is a 45 minute time slot. What is a sales call? A 30 minute time slot. Well, since we already know, and this is part of that wisdom guys of niching down, we already know that 2000 subset is our dream type of client in terms of the business acumen. Um, out of that 2000 is the temperament of the owner. Perfect. Maybe, maybe not. We'll come to find out, but what's better than trying to hard sell people because everyone knows show rates for sales calls can be challenging at times when someone knows they're about to get sold versus an approach that, you know, you're, you're obviously a big proponent of and my team has fully embraced is forget that everyone just comes on the podcast. 
if you want to be sold immediately, great. You're coming on the podcast first because we're going to find out your temperament. You know, yeah. you may check the box of being a part of that 2000 audience, but coming on the podcast, are you cool enough to come on the podcast? Like, are you even open to that? The clients that we want have some sort of personality. We don't want to talk to an accountant. <laughs> we want someone with some flavor. Um, and the transparency that comes out of these podcasts, as you've seen, is so raw that we don't need to sell many a times. We want that podcast to really learn about them and for them to get what they want, frankly, which is free publicity, um, good SEO backlinks, that kind of thing, and a pat on the back that they earn the ability to be on the podcast because they are a part of that selective 2000 that clearly is doing something right in their business. That's a little bit unique, but I think something interesting to share with people. Like, yeah, I mentioned something like this in a, in a unique and different way as well when it comes to, I'm very open around basically every single show why I love a podcast. I believe it's the most simple, scalable, profitable business model to exist uh, in terms of building relationships and again, entertaining and forming and having fun. At least it's the best model for me versus making yeah silly little YouTube videos that I don't feel comfortable doing. And that's just strictly because that's not my skill set. And people that can do it, phenomenal, good for you. This is the best way for me to communicate uh, as I'm trying to get better each and every single show. But that said, the the concept, if I'm understanding this correctly, is you've got the 2000 list of exactly who you want, which is people that own these demolition businesses. And when you reach out to them through a handwritten note, because a lot of these guys are, I'd assume, a little bit more old school style, right? You're yeah. inviting on the podcast show. That's kind of your outreach. Like, hey, we have a show, a podcast show around demolition and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Check out some other shows and it does well and uh, it's going to get you some attention. So they feel like a borderline celebrity, right? Like in Correct. terms of- we, we spotlight them, you know, and, and we kind of congratulate them like, hey, this came to you for a reason. The reason is you guys do good business. But you're probably sleeping on the internet and you know it and we know it. And that's great because you still got invited to this. You're still doing a lot of things right. But let's be honest, when you shake someone's hand who's even a referral, they go to look you up online. Your stuff looks terrible. They can't find anything. You know, mm -hmm. they do have other opportunities of people to work with. But let's congratulate you and allow you to get some digital love with the SEO backlinks and things. Yeah, it's it's a special kind of lucky invitation. Like you're you're getting an invite to the gala. And the reason why that is, Tyler, is because you've been successful. You know, that kind of approach. And we get a lot of appointments through that. And again, too, the beauty is we find out even in that 2000, there are instances where they're taken care of. Like there's nothing to sell. And we're not going to make someone feel uncomfortable um, during or after a podcast. It is truly a spotlight of them. We kind of take that intel from the podcast and behind the scenes, we put together some reporting and things. We, of course, do short video for them as well as long video that we then use. So no call, no podcast rather goes to waste, unlike sales calls. Like we know some sales calls are just there's. There's no net positive from them. Sometimes there's a net negative, depending on your sales team. On the but with these, there's always value because everyone who's coming on, guess what? That's another name that we could cite 
when we're out in the marketplace and say, oh yeah, I'll give you an example. We talked to a guy who runs a $34 million a year demo company Ten. the other day. And hey. like, we jumped on the call and it was straight to that. He was curious and interested in working with us, all that. Being able to get to that guy through traditional techniques, as good of a salesperson as I am and as my team are, it, it's just not logically as easy. This guy, like, boom, first hit our first cold email to him, penetrated. And he was like, yeah, I'm there. Let's do it. And now on the back end of that, he is a pretty high-end prospect who really is chasing us at this point. They, so they'll come on the show. A lot of times is it in person, the show? No, no, everything is virtual. Um, I would like in person, but the logistics, you know, being all throughout the U.S. And some of these people there, the calendars are so crazy. They're all over the place. But if we get them on the camera, just jump. Uh, we do Google Meet. We don't do it live. We've noticed for our clientele, they can be a little unsure you know they're not maybe used to being on so it's it's kind of lowering the stakes for them to do it where it's not live knowing on the back end we'll edit it for them make them look as good as possible and again the beauty is we're not expecting anyone to be a client of ours it just becomes a natural tendency because in that pre-interview and the post-interview a lot of the times they're like all right this is interesting you told me <laughs> what you do without telling me what you do just by us talking, you know, and you yeah. referencing clients here and there, we're, we're not making it about us. It's very much a sprinkle effect. And they go, Hey man, like you mentioned, you're making some of your clients a few extra million dollars every single quarter, you know, like we're, we're doing $20 million a year, but if you can make people an extra few million dollars every single quarter on autopilot and you're not charging them $20,000 a month or anything, like what's, what's going on there? And then my team and I are, are even then we're kind of like hands up. Hey, you know, it's just a podcast. Let's be cool. You know, or and no, nothing here to go, you know, sell or anything like that. We'll get and your they, credit card after the show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take the black Amex a little later, but it's cool. It feels very organic. And again, I think something that people need to focus on is to, it's okay to have a small market if it's the right ideal, like self-select your perfect avatar, you know? Because you're saying that because, I mean, you know, sure, this may not be relevant to everyone, but it's relevant to someone. So what you're saying in a sense is that is the beauty of why you niche down because then you can integrate other strategic systems to say, oh, wait, instead of trying to book Joe, discovery sales meeting with them to see if they qualify and or to get them to just book so you can try to qualify yourself to them. It's a unique approach from a sales perspective to say, oh no, you know, we just want you on the podcast show because we serve and spotlight clients like yourself. Right. And right. we're not even serve, it's more like we spotlight people like you and your industry to really like what you're doing. And then in that conversation, you've built the communication and the frame around uh, articulating your message and your questions around, you know, hey, Mr. Mrs. Smith, and have you considered integrating specific XYZ uh, of which these things have helped our clients grow their business 20% you with past year? And your model, is that something that you guys do? Something you guys have considered for this new year? And again, maybe that's not the best example, but in a sense, you're kind of asking them questions of 
solutions to the pain points that they likely have and or getting them to talk about their pain points and then presenting different solutions to the pain points to the podcast show. Yeah, to an extent, um, our biggest thing is just kind of like legitimately having it very centric on them. And it's so natural and organic where we'll be like, yeah, so, you know, what's the sales process like? And, you know, marketing, everyone talks about it. I know you'd all but billboard like the lawyer down the street. You know, you're a demolition company. Do you guys do anything? Um, have you guys ever done a skyscraper? Have you ever done something that came up the other day is nuclear plants? I have never helped a client get a nuclear plant yet, but who I was speaking with, like that's their sweet spot. So think about that, Tyler. Like obviously the logistics of tearing down a nuclear plant is one thing, but for, <laughs> I guess we forget the average person is kind of glossing over the fact that that has nuclear material in it. <laughs> that's a job. That's a crazy job. It's one thing to have like a silo and be like, hey, take down that silo. But it's a whole nother thing when you factor in all the nuclear particles and, and craziness that needs to get disposed of. Like, how do you even dispose of that? So we'll dig into these fun things. Oh, it's Japan. Yeah, right. We got a lot of people to ask on that. Hopefully no more going into the future. But uh, yeah, that's man, a it's wild. It's actually <laughs> not really a funny joke if you think about it. But uh, no, I like fun. it. I like jokes all tight. I just watched some crazy documentaries around like World War II. And I just realized yeah. earlier and I was around that. And you're like, oh boy. Or even watching like the Oppenheimer. That was wild. That movie was wild. Just to see how terrifying. Uh, absolutely crazy. Absolutely You crazy. know what? It's going to sound wild. We, we'll touch on the conspiracy real quick. So stupid. But you've seen the whole bomb thing exploding a house those old bombs mm -hmm. there's like a video in black and white and you just see this okay yeah. so so stupid but our where was the camera and why was the camera because we're thinking back in the day how was that camera still intact to film that where was it placed who retrieved the camera right because we're assuming it's a nuclear bomb you know you can't just straight up i guess a guy in a suit you know a special hazmat suit Weird stuff. I guess the cameras is what's got me with these conspiracy theories. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's some crazy Zoom, I guess. Right, right. Apple but we're Zoom talking now. back in the day. They didn't have, I mean, to my knowledge, I don't know. I don't know what Egypt had either back in the day, but we could only assume. Yeah, man, it's wild. Wild, so wild. The, the war stuff's insane. Like the yeah, no, I like this approach a lot. I've actually... I don't even think I've ever heard of anyone doing this. So props to you. That's that's really cool that you've niched down and uh, and that obviously didn't come with some limited beliefs. You're like, man, 2,000 people. But then in reality, most people know that like, yeah, if you had 2,000 clients and you're mm -hmm. selling a product or a service for X amount, that is hypothetically a reoccurring type model where you get them more jobs and 2,000 is more than enough. If anything your perspective and your mindset shifted to be like, oh, I'm actually thrilled that I got this list down to 2,000. And then yeah. from that 2,000, you found a unique way, which by the way, uh, a friendly reminder, like business 101, it's the number one problem solver in business is qualified leads. But most people get leads, they just don't get qualified leads and don't know how to niche down to see where the client avatar is to be able to do prospecting on that qualified lead. But so you've done a heck of a job. Oh, those are the qualified people that I want to work with and the businesses that I want to work with. 
And then what's the next hard step in terms of niching down that list and capturing that list is being able to book a sales call and or to close them. And you've done that in a unique way, leveraging what I call the the new digital economy through podcasting, which is again, business 101, you're basically bringing them value first. You're bringing them value right. first by getting them digital assets because a lot of them just don't have digital assets. They don't have yeah. content online. They don't have clips online. They don't have, you know, links, uh, at least in this business model, right? Yeah, like, it's very rare. It's reciprocity. I can't even say it. Reciprocity. Everyone yeah. else is trying to take. We're trying to give. And the beauty again of this model is I really don't care if they become a client. And we're really not selling them during the podcast. Truly, truly, truly. Because at the end of the day, we're building our community and we're doing it with respected peers. Like these people do know of each other. So if you're... Well, if you're someone selling exotic cars, get out. I mean, there's data everywhere, but get out a clean list of data. 2,000 of the people in your backyard who make at least $300,000 a year. So all of them, mail them, whatever. It's only 2,000. That's achievable. If you sell exotic cars, I would think you can make 50 or 20 cold calls a day. Just simply say, hey, my name's Bob. I want to introduce myself. I work at the Lambo dealer or the Rolls Royce dealer. You may not be interested in those, but they're really cool cars, don't you think? Oh, yeah, I'd love one. Yeah, 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 great. Well, you know what? You can come on down. I'm always here for you. I'd love to be your guy. I'd love to be your lady, what have you. That's so much more achievable than just saying, I'm in I'm in whatever city. I'm in uh, New York City. There's so many people around. You know, where do I even start? You know, How do I get the qualified leads, et cetera? If you only have a small subset and you work that list, you could, it's very achievable to work it. Most people, they want 20,000 emails, cold email. They want a population of 3 million realtors that they could reach out to. And even in that model, it's like, all right, do you want, you know, buyer realtors? Do you want seller realtors? Do you want investor facing realtors? Like really, really do that. And then why would you do it when they're in California, when you're in New York, do it in your backyard. You have something to talk about. Smaller is better, almost in a weird way. I yeah, I totally agree. And and even using the podcast show and myself as an example, I use this uh, like the the puddle, the pond, and the ocean as an example. Where I was like, oh, I can go get these big athletes and celebrities and big online people that I know and you know and or might be friends with. That if I text them, they're like, yeah, I'll come on the show. And that's like the ocean. Right. They have the the most followers, the biggest influence. But what I found is uh one, I just didn't want to do that. I just wanted it to be a part <laughs> of my strategy. Right. And I'm like, yeah. yo, wait, why would I not just get everyone in the in the puddle? Why would I not get most cool and interesting entrepreneurs in Columbus, Ohio, which is a city that has, you know, give or take a million people? And if I just did that, like if, if I didn't have you on the show, right? At least and I just only had people in Columbus and only Columbus entrepreneurs or people that I thought would be interesting and cool to have come on the show, then that's pretty cool that a million people may tune in or have heard of it. The opportunities will come from there in some manner, right? In terms of about a podcast show, right? So is that totally 100% agree with you? It's again, the puddle, the pond, the ocean. Uh, the pond would be 
you know, maybe something like this, right? Elio, let's get a, an entrepreneur that I know, buddy that I know that's doing cool things. That's again, entertaining, informative. We can have some fun and bring a lot of value. The ocean is, you know, let's, uh, which I don't like to say particular names, but let's just say, uh, if we get like your best friend Biden on here, right? <laughs> People that have, you know, some type of, uh, just big status in terms of influence online, maybe a ton of followers or again, athletes, celebrities, things of that nature. Uh, I think that's where personally a lot of people are, are going wrong in terms of their business model. Yeah. Be hyper local. It's cool. Like you said, the puddle could dominate a puddle, right? Like if your foot doesn't make an impact on a puddle, something's wrong, but your foot in the ocean, it's just that other foot. You're on that same beach line. There's 300 feet. You know, I yeah. gave an even number. If I gave an odd number, that would mean <laughs> someone's missing a foot. Um, yeah, I think that's really it. A lot of us, for some reason, and to be honest, I think it's because we don't want to face our real truest success. You know, like obviously we've had success, we've had failures, things like that. But I don't think we have a, a fear of failing because we've already done that, you know, time and time again. But the fear of success, I think, is actually the thing that may get us in this whole big arena. I'll give an example with Amazon. Amazon did books and they dominated books. So they did the puddle first. Everyone else. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, it's an insecurity or, or maybe it's some weird fear of, of winning or succeeding that they have to muddy the water and they have to um, entrench it so the water is deeper and wider. And they say, hey, we're going to do everything for everyone. And guess what? That's that's probably how you're going to fail, in mm -hmm. my opinion. I mean, you got to earn from the puddle to the river to the lake to the ocean, that kind of thing. So really, yep. like, go deep. Don't go wide. Right. And, of course, it helps when you have some sort of bankroll built up. Like, I can't say this entirely from my general agency I did build up bankroll, built up credit, that kind of thing. So that way I could take this jump, so to speak. But I would be further if I would have taken this jump earlier. Because now all I have is seeing straight. As before, I was like, you know, seeing 180. And it's what about this? What about that? You know, like even fulfillment. That. Lawyers and accountants are very different. And we worked with both of them. When we just have one dynamic and we could speak exactly, like sometimes you're like, well, do they call their, their people customers or clients? And when you're in a call with someone and you're saying, yeah, we'll help you get more customers. And they're like, uh, you just failed the test, man. We talk about clients in this business. So just seeing straight. Yeah. Like, uh, I'd assume a lawyer's, you know, this is our client, not customer. Right. Yeah. So it's the lingo, right? That makes sense. That's a good point. And, and, uh, oh. what's the number one pain point that you have right now? in terms of the the business and uh, because you're very clear on your process on the front end and whatnot, what, like what's the big choke points right now? Just yeah, to be honest with you, we're doing a lot of podcasts. I would say, and I'm, I know my sales stuff very, very well because of the podcast approach, the close, it can be very much implicit sometimes. And then other times it's kind of, uh, not 100% sure. You know, we just had a great podcast. I don't want to go into salesman mode. And typically we don't do it to the back end. So I guess the, the moral of the story is it could either move very quickly after the podcast 
and very naturally. Or it can be kind of this in-between thing where it's like, well, I know what they said during the podcast. We did a report on them. We know that we could be a value to them. And it's just kind of like the the sexiness of the podcast was great and really got their attention. And now this part two, which is, of course, salesy to some extent, but again, very valuable to them. It's just they may not be as inclined no. to jump right on it the same they were as the podcast. Yeah, you don't want to ruin the mood. You're like, we just had a great podcast yeah. show. Like, I actually enjoyed our conversation. I don't want to be like, and I'm going to try to sell you. you know? Right. Uh, and sometimes they'll try to sell me. So like that's where kind of that that hairiness is. Is It's like if they're doing that, I'll still kind of put up the wall and be like, hey, man, just the podcast. We're cool. You did great. You're a natural and that's where they, they kind of come into it more, where it's like, you know, tell the girl that you're, you're taking, like, yeah, but I'm into you. And you're like, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I'm taking, we can't go there. And it drives them nuts versus if you were throwing yourself at that person, they're like, ah, I might've been into you, but you're kind of needy. Yeah. How- yeah. 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 Um, I could see that. And well, you had mentioned as well, when you are getting and scraping the data, whether it's like on Facebook or other socials and then providing them and sending them like the organic clips or content prior to the show. I'm curious for you, like, you know, we hear all this, there has to be seven contact attempts to get a book call. Mm. We hear that they have to consume eight hours of our content in order to get it closed. Uh, so I could see how that is a, a pretty big hurdle. If, if you get them to schedule the podcast and they don't watch basically anything about you and or you're relying on that, I'd assume that's not what's happening, right? I assume that you're maybe having them fill out a form. If you're having them watch some videos, maybe you're, what's that uh, process look like to try to get them to consume as much about you, the show, people that you you help and serve? about? Yeah, it's a valid point, like the seven hour rule kind of thing. Um get them excited and interested prior to. So we send them, of course, different messaging and email, SMS, ringless voice drops, that kind of thing. We use GHL as our CRM. I'm using a lot of TLAs, three-letter acronyms. So for the real nerds out there, they'll get it. Um, but yeah, we we do kind of get them enticed. However, you're making a valid point that we could possibly maybe slide in some testimonials in that. What we're doing right now currently is, you know, these are some of the questions you may encounter. Here's our Spotify link. Go check out some short videos on our YouTube link. Um, feel free to subscribe. So that way, when your podcast is edited, uh, be it the shorts and longs, you'll be the first to know that kind of thing. Yeah, we should and, and probably could throw in some testimonials where it will feel light without, of course, scaring them away. Um, to, to interrupt you on that, it's a tricky one because it's like you want to keep the frame with them just coming on the podcast show without mm-hmm. being like, wait, what a testimonial for what? You know, like mm-hmm. why is he studies like, is he trying to sell me something or like, so I, I think there's something there. You know, I think there's something there to that thought as to like, maybe they consume a little bit more of who you are, the show. And also I kind of see the flip of that is like, no, you, you still genuinely want them to come on the show, right? Yeah. You still on the show. Yeah. I think maybe just trying to, well, 
I'm sure you already know the pain points. Like you already know 99.9% of the time, it's probably these one to four things like it is in most industries, right? And yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, when it comes to sales, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. You're talking to the wrong people or you're saying the wrong things. I'm sure there's the seven contact attempts. There's the, uh, like, dude, I just did a podcast with this guy. Like we literally just kind of met, uh, and, and we talked for an hour or two hours and, and you and I both know it's just kind of like that gut feeling. Now, sure. Seller be sold, right? Like right. either you're closing them or they're closing you, but mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, it's just kind of human nature. It's like, no, nah, I, I think that person's just going to need a little bit of follow up, right? Like, I think we're just going to have to schedule. Is that what you guys are doing is kind of like scheduling some like follow-up calls or closing? Yeah. Yeah. On the back end. So that's the beauty is, of course, we use something like the seven-hour rule, more podcast-centric to prep them, right? Because like you mentioned earlier, these aren't 30-year-olds. I mean, we do have some 35, some 40, 45, that kind of thing and older. But it's mainly, you know, we're going to be on video. It's not going to be live. So if anything happens, it's all good. We'll take a breath. We'll edit it out. And we're rocking and rolling. Here's Spotify, YouTube, Shorts, blah, blah, blah. It's going to help your SEO. So we really get them excited about the purpose of showing up to the podcast, which frankly, I don't think we'd have to do any of that. And our show rates would still be pretty good. But it's good to have those further supplanted. The back end is cool because it is almost reiterating that. But in the fact of we're becoming more friendly. So effectively, what we'll do on the back end of the podcast If it makes sense, we'll have a tailored report for them to show them how the internet's not helping them make a few million dollars extra every quarter. We'll do that only for the people that it makes sense. Like we actually do listen to the podcast, not even for fit for sales reasons, but like I'm kind of that Howard Stern, Joe Rogan, like I'm naturally inquisitive and it's a superpower of mine. I really want to learn. And when I do that, I can engage with them well in the podcast. It doesn't seem robotic. It's like you and I, like, I think we're having a pretty real conversation. It doesn't seem like it's too scripted or anything. We're having a good time. And that's what I want for them. Like I tell them, hey, we're going to have some fun. If you want to curse, if you want to talk politics, this is not a marketing podcast. This is a Hell demolition yeah, podcast. Right. Yeah. And shoot the guns and everything. Um, I had a guy the other day. He he. They do a lot of projects every year and he's got his guns in the back. He's got the fish hung up. He's got a deer with antlers and stuff. That's to me, that's the thing is like, look, I'm focused on the people that I care about. We're building a really good rapport. And guess what? If I have no sales process, I can always call that same person three days later, even if there's like three people as a layer before I can even get to the big guy and just say, hey, Bob and I spoke for 45 minutes yesterday. Like he was on our podcast. I need to talk to Bob. Like I'm pretty sure Bob will be open to chatting with me. So that's again, why I'm trying to relate it for our audience of whatever your, your thing is. If you're dealing with higher end business to business, this thing, it pierces right through. So really like building that transparency and that openness from them. I want to hear the real stuff. How can I hear that? I don't personally think it's a sales call is the first thing. You know, I think just inefficiencies. Let's get them to give us exactly what we need and let's find out if it's even worth our time or not. Because they may be in that 2000, 
but they may also be part of a franchise and they already have a marketing company and we cannot service them if we wanted to because they're literally binded to that franchise. Um, great. Hey, we got them on the podcast. We're going to make content out of it. Fantastic. We all win. Yeah. And I would be curious because again, coming back to my comment of how I believe sales works is you either, uh, you know, sell them, right. Or, uh, you are talking to the wrong people or saying the wrong things. So one thing that I would think through as well, just talking out loud, giving you unsolicited advice, because that's what we all love, right. Is somebody else just knows your business better than you, right. I got it all figured out and I don't even do that. Right. So here I am giving you unsolicited advice, <laughs> but the, <laughs> like one thing to consider that kind of popped to mind was, well, Hey, maybe Bob that's, you know, shooting guns and, uh, throwing away his Bud Light because for whatever reason, uh, like, <laughs> you didn't even go there all the way. You just kind of pushed the brakes right before he went over the cliff. <laughs> well, the, uh, it's a, well, maybe, maybe he's the wrong person to talk to. Maybe the person that is younger, a little bit more equipped that actually listens to podcasts because Bob doesn't even listen to podcasts, but maybe John in the company does maybe John that runs the marketing or whatever he does there. Maybe he's intrigued. So I would just kind of think through that as well as like, oh, maybe this guy, because then when he goes to the meetings, he's like, yo, I just had like a very interesting experience with this guy. Yeah. This so oh, I yeah. think that through as well. Yeah. And, and the reason why I say that is because a call coincidentally that I just had is it, one of my buddies has a, a company and he, he helps people. His company helps companies integrate systems and operations. What's that? Well, that's pretty freaking vague. What he's, what he's recognized. Uh, especially in our niche of entrepreneurs online and, you know, Internet. coaching and make podcasts, et cetera. Because, oh, Tyler, you're a CEO and you are a full-blown visionary, right? Like, you know, it needs to be done, but like, it's a time and place of like, can't be in the business, but I kind of know what needs to be fixed or this is kind of broken and I can just see it. It's going to hold us back from getting to that destination. And, or you may not have the bandwidth, you may not have the, the right team member, so, hey, you can pay his team for one-off projects, more high ticket, or you can buy his systems and operations, you know, info product coaching where you can watch the course material, get the templates, get the, get all the nuances and your operations person can, can go watch all that. Cause I don't have time and or, Mark. and maybe it's just the ERA, but it's just like, I'm not going to go watch <laughs> this and that, right? Yeah. Like, I don't have the time to go watch the courses and, and this and that. Not saying that that's bad because I still go do all those things still uh, in terms yeah. of, you know, learning. But you get what I'm saying, right? It's term in terms yeah. of, it, oh, maybe I need to talk to this person and I know I'm saying the right things because the CEO, like he's a visionary. Like he's like, I don't even go, I don't even listen to podcasts, right? Or, right. or like, huh, what? Whereas this person over here can articulate that share with them and then go to the decision maker ultimately. Yeah. So, and just, just thinking through that and in, in your example. But again, I love how, hey, niche down, we've all heard it, right? That's a really cool, unique approach. Really cool, unique approach to go, how can I have a quote unquote sales call that's bringing them value and getting them to literally share with me their pain points and I can strategically share solutions in that while building a real relationship, right? And hey, worst case, quote unquote, nothing comes from it. But now we have content and these digital assets and these valuable things. That would oh, be. Let me add this too. They give referrals. 
So at the end of the podcast, the big ask is not, hey, let's work together or, hey, I need you to look at this report. A big ask is that was fantastic. You're a natural. Who are two or three other people that you recommend could do as good of a job as you just did? That's in our world, meaning they could be a lawyer in demolition. They could be an accountant in demolition. They can do insurance. They could be an owner, what have you. And again, too, we're even open to, let's say, they go, yeah, my head estimator. It's like your head estimator. I just talked to you. You're the CEO. Well, guess what? If this is a fit in terms of the company, and in general, I would take that appointment anyway, because it's great to have a head estimator on the podcast, gives a different flavor and flair. Well, they can give me all of these referrals because they just felt like they were lifted up. And guess what? Those referrals have referrals. So in one instance, um, just the other day, we had a guy who's pretty big in insurance. He has something like 100 plus clients in the space. And he immediately gave me a referral off the bat. And it's not necessarily to sell those people. It's who do you know that would be great to be on the podcast like you just were? That's in our world. That's in our ecosystem. So again, I know I could go more Cardone route and be more salesy. But I think there, there's a bigger thing here. And the bigger thing here maybe is to be a dominant presence in this field, to not be the cheesy guy. I don't need someone's $5,000 a month to get by. Like, you know, sure, that's something. I don't need their $10,000 a month to get by. We have different packages and levels that we can really help them if their fulfillment can actually do the job. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, those referrals, because they're like, of course, dude, like, I just saw my insurance guy the other day and my premium, I can't tell you my premium for liabilities, $500,000 next year. Can you believe that? And I'll be like, yeah, that's a guy I should talk to. And also if you're spending $500,000 a year on your liability insurance, they'll definitely give me a few grand a month. So that way we can make you a million dollars a quarter extra than what you're already doing. So do you see like content builds the community referrals like crazy of the people who can give us referrals and add legitimate good content to this community. And it's really a snowball effect. It's not like a one-to-one reach out. It's a one-to-many in a shotgun format that really kind of cascades through that one approach, through that one person. You might have 10 or 20 opportunities from that one connection. You said community because that's what that came to mind as well. Because you're so niche down, I'm sure there's people that may like each other late competitors or whatever it may be but do you drop them in a community like a free facebook group and and or is it a little bit more manual in terms of like yeah john i have you know dylan in that area whoever right like that you can connect them to or have you dropped them all in the same group and consider doing a i mean mastermind community whatever you want to name it where they can all come together in one spot because that in a sense could be potentially very valuable as well yeah so it's funny you mentioned that um I'm from Atlanta. There's a guy named Michael Mogul, which is funny. It's it's not spelled M-O-G-U-L, like you think the mogul, the big, you know, special guy um, in business. This guy is a big special guy in business. However, I would love to say I could refer you to him and get him on your podcast soon, but I don't know him on that level. He's just a guy who I always looked up to in the Atlanta area. He has a marketing company of sorts, you could say. They used to just do very high-end videos for law firms. This guy is incredible to the extent that stories he started the company at 500 bucks. 
He got very niche down, not just the lawyers, but also doing video for them. And now they do everything. They're like a full, I guess you would say, growth engine for the law firm business. Michael Mogul, he has a company called Crisp in Atlanta. All this to say, you're talking about masterminds. I'm, I'm getting to the point, I promise. I'm thinking about it. Pain. And lawyers do make a fortune. But my guys, I mean, you know, if you think a $10 million a year law firm is something big, my guys can do $10 million off of one job. If we're talking revenue, I'm not saying that that's necessarily profit. Um, massive, massive, massive jobs. They may be able to make $10 million profit off of one job. But moral of the story is this guy, Michael, I'm looking content, the community. He's right now, I want to say it's four seasons, has a yacht, a massive yacht. Huge. Um, not as big as a cruise ship, but bigger than what you'd see in Miami. Bigger than the biggest yacht you'd see in Miami. Really, really high end. And what is he doing? He's living a life on a yacht, an insane yacht, and he happens to have a mastermind going on right now, which obviously high end law firm owners. And I kind of look at that and I go, hey... How cool is it that Michael's doing that? And also in certain instances, not all, but my community that we have and that we're building in certain instances all day long do more than what a $10 million a year law firm is doing. So maybe we'll get a spaceship for ours or maybe we'll go to Egypt and have like a pyramid party. I'll invite you. By the way, have you, have you done that? Have you gone to Egypt? Have you checked out the pyramid? Okay. Let me tell you, I have, and I went recently. I'm going, <laughs> there's actually a quick story on this and that that's why I'm bringing it up. It's not um, to rub it in or anything. So one quick thing. No, 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 no. This is actually, it's going to break your heart. Um, when you go in the main pyramid, you know, you're used to seeing it by Cairo. First off, a lot of people don't realize this. The city of Cairo, Egypt is right by those pyramids. So you see the photos and everyone assumes, oh, it's in the desert. Well, on one side is desert. On the other side, it's a metropolis. So that's one thing. McDonald's and KFC, right? Yes. Oh, they got all of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's insanity. It's really weird. But this is this is the down part. And I already know you're going to do it anyway. Um, I would say to people that are not so conspiracy-based with Egypt, maybe it's not worth your time. Going in the pyramid they allow you to go in is the biggest waste joke headache ever and the reason is tyler you go like it's a pyramid right so you go in as an incline you are actually climbing the chasm maybe is like three feet tall it is uh both directions and it's hot it's not wide this chasm that you're going through you're at points almost like hands and knees uh just kind of like crawling through and there's fellow Americans and Europeans that get in there and they're pretty large individuals. So you're like claustrophobic normally. And then you have someone on your other end and someone in front of you and behind you. And you're all going your directions. And guess what? All that you do at the end of this crazy experience, maybe it's like 15 minutes uh, you know, up and 15 minutes down, you go into a rectangular room that maybe, maybe is about the size of this little this guest bedroom at my house and that's it they have a thing that looks like like a little bathtub rectangle where they said that the pharaoh used to be and the pharaoh there's no mummy there there's nothing you go under a room that's that's like the whole that's the pyramid experience and it is 
it's hot it's claustrophobic i'm usually pretty good with that stuff like i love hiking and yeah it's almost like cave diving just ask and then you go to a room that's yeah it's a real pleasure (laughs) any ass to mouth overweight people just yes crawling through yeah to get to a room that has a little rectangular it looks like a bathtub nothing special and they have a security guard in there that is supposed to i don't know do what because there's nothing there it's the big i was so disappointed because that's like an amazing incredible life experience then you're like did i just go into like someone's like grandma's attic like grandma's attic had more interesting stuff than this thing had it was so weird i've heard uh and also too like all the the locals they can get you as well you think that you're going on like special tour but then you're like you're not at all you're like who the fuck did i just pay money to what was that yeah those guys are really funny a dollar goes a long long way because they're in hyperinflation at least when i went yeah so um they want us they don't they don't want euros they don't want their own money they want us and in high tourist areas like in the states you buy a water bottle they're gonna rip you off it's gonna be seven bucks there we were getting water bottles for 25 cents usd in you know the tourist box everything's negotiable you probably buy a camel there all the- you just sling a 14 bucks for your camel and water bottle right right yeah um and you could bargain that actually yeah <laughs> like best price 12 and they'll be like all right it's my worst camel take it so are you it's thinking, weird are you thinking then about doing like a like a little group and community for your clients kind of or do something like extravagant along those lines yeah i mean that whole the vision that I just saw with that, I was like, hey, man, if he can pull it off, which he is extraordinarily good at what he does. Um, yeah, I would love to. Another thing he does is he rents out the Falcon Stadium in Atlanta, which is really, really nice and modern. It's nuts. And he'll For get sure. David Goggins to come. He'll get Cardone. I mean, he gets big names. Plus, he rents out that whole stadium for, I think, two or three days with this yacht experience. It's an insane guy like it's ludicrous and he simply has a mastermind so he's getting paid to be on a a ludicrous yacht is what i'm saying um that's really cool yeah that's where that's where like the masterminds and uh in my opinion like it's it's not the hilton hotels anymore which you know sure you can have conferences and that that's great and all but in my personal opinion it's experiences right it's the experience of uh in reality, at least in, in my personal experience hosting events and masterminds, like the actual fun part where the information and the positive energy exchange happens is when you're just talking to people That's and the experience, right? It's like, yeah, you go on stage and you share information, but then it's like when then when you go on the yacht and everyone's just like, hey, so like, what do you do? And you know, well, like, oh, I got somebody for that. Like, and you're just connecting the network and just being genuine versus having like a full day event and you got seven speakers and sure, that's, that's great. Yeah. I can serve absolutely a purpose. Uh, and definitely I'm just more speaking for myself. That's his focus is giving people like more of an experience, whether it's people coming in person here one-on-one with me, um, you know, I'll post them up. They come hang up, you know, my personal residence or we, you know, go to 
you know, maybe a different location or maybe go get a cabin with a couple clients. It's just a unique, different way, right? It's like, I'm just providing the platform. I'm going to try to stay out of your way and get you to stay out of your way. And I just really want you three to meet because then we'll just like, again, mastermind together and figure it out and talk through situations and examples and your systems, your processes, your marketing, your sales, your infrastructure. Uh, and I think it's just more fun versus going to yeah. a, cold, a cold hotel and usually it's significantly more expensive too. And eating I was about shit. to say, <laughs> yeah, you know? the food is trash. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm over the flexing bullshit. I mean, as far as <laughs> that kind of model, I think just a more genuine experience approach has been more impactful for me. You know, it takes like right. less, I want to say pressure because pressure is a good thing. It's just like, let's just get the masterminds around each other and that's how you learn and grow. Yeah, I would say it's taking the facade off. And the way that Michael's doing it is it's like, you know, it's Four Seasons or Ritz-Carlton, one of them got where it's it's very, very pristine and prestigious. It's again, kind of that podcasting like, hey, we legitimately are not inviting everyone to this. Like we're legitimately only inviting our top 100 clients. And guess what? There literally is only 20 cabins. So it is, you know, a true thing that you have to kind of, you know, buy for because otherwise it's gone. And uh, imagine who's going to be on that ship and how many times you're going to get to have those opportunities to be that close to, I guess, with some of these lawyers, maybe they're competitors of sorts. But, um, you know, he works with even like Morgan and Morgan, like massive, massive lawyers. So if you're a guy doing $10 million a year in your firm and you could be close to Morgan and Morgan, yeah, it might be worth if you could write off the $100,000 or whatever that experience is. Uh, you don't do other experiences that year, or maybe you just budget the 100K or whatever the cost is, because I would guarantee rubbing shoulders with that guy, plus uh, Michael, who's obviously running the show, so to speak, you're going to go pretty far if you rub shoulders with those people. And speaking of that, in your backyard there in Tampa, um, you know, you've been in the game for a while. You've made great connections and network. And how do you balance, like, if at all, work-life balance? Are you hanging out with friends? What some hobbies? Do you like network with some people? I know we have some mutual connections, but you feel alone in the journey more times than not as a young male entrepreneur? Not really. I mean, that certainly has come up before. Definitely. Like, my normal friends are nurses they work for amazon and not talking corporate <laughs> they're behind the little trucks uh you know they nope. do a number of different things uh, that's okay we, we need we need them oh yeah no no i love it like you have to have different calibers of people in your life right it's like a football team you know mm -hmm. a normal crew are are frankly the guys that i i really vibe with a lot um some of them didn't make it to college some of them didn't make it through college what have you but we could be real and authentic without any sense of artificiality or like, hey, that referral I sent your way, how's that going? I do love my entrepreneur crew though, however. You know, um, not everyone could be a quarterback or a running back or a wide receiver, but we all need to be here as a team. So I'm very much into having kind of that, um, I guess you can call it uh, eclectic group of friends as well as my, my standard like day one crew. Um, but we're all a team and I do spend 
more time just naturally, I'd say, with the people like us, you know, the people who are kind of maybe more interested in doing more in life and being able to give back a little bit more, you know, not just having to worry about themselves, but they can worry about charity and worry about their family and empowering others. So I would say I, I split my time certainly disproportionately with the entrepreneurial crew. It's just we can connect very easily, but I certainly do still have time. I haven't abandoned uh, my normal friends, my my uh, more traditional crew, because it does give you perspective. You know, am I am I hanging out with them doing the same habits that they are doing day to day? No, um, but am I still making time for you know family who will never change? So I guess they could be an anchor to some extent. Friends that will never change. I guess they could be an anchor to some extent. However, I think if you allow to have some time with those people, it does allow you to have perspective of, hey, look, like my whole high school crew, the best ones in engineer, you know, look at where I am. Now, that's just from a fiscal perspective. That engineer has a son. I don't have a son or a daughter. You know, I'm a really great dog, but that's like a tenth of a child. <laughs> he, he has a wife. I'm not married, you know, like, so there's, there's various different things, but it also, again, reminds me of, Hey, like he could lose his engineering job tomorrow. Will his wife still be there? I mean, I hope so. Right. We, we all hope so, but he is tied down to things. Um, will his son be able to go to a private school if he loses that job tomorrow? Maybe, maybe not. I, I just know that, just, you know, doing what you and I do, as long as we don't go too crazy we can have so much more kind of um, buffer between us and dealing with some of the average day-to-day stuff that our peers that didn't maybe step up or take a risk deal with. Yeah, I really do. I like both sides. Both of them give me different perspectives. Sometimes I guess the, the only part of the loneliness could be people can't relate from the normal crew and from the entrepreneurial crew there's sometimes that you just want to say to your buddies, like, hey, man, like, stop playing around. Like, it's okay to be focused. That's where you need to be. The other half of that with the higher level crew entrepreneur types is that, you know, you don't want to compare yourself to other people. You really want to compare yourself to where you were the day before, the quarter before, the year before, et cetera. But you can, in certain instances, be like, man, my buddy is doing $500 million a year. Or he's doing, you know, those are the big, big dogs. But, um, you know, they're doing $50 million in the last three years. You know, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm involved with companies that are doing that. And that's pretty amazing. That means I'm in the right sphere. It's just kind of a question of, am I that interested in getting to that level? Because the sacrifices that come with that, um, you see it with those guys. Those are the ones who really have to cut off a lot of people, it seems like. And, and that's, you know, maybe limit, I shouldn't say cut off per se, but limit their exposure, um, be it their family, their friends, their partner, uh, their children, et cetera. So I guess me, myself, and I'd be curious where you are on, on with this one. I think I know where you are. I think I know where you may have been versus where you are. It's something that you get to see and it's a blessing to kind of learn vicariously on both sides of your old school, more traditional crew and your crew who's really stepping up and taking risks. So where do you align when it comes to that? I assume you've evolved, you know, in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's different type of pressures, right? Like I don't have a kid. 
but you know, I have a fiance, right? But uh, those are different type of pressures. Don't have a don't have a day job. That's a different type of pressure. That's like, am I going to get fired today? Uh, am I going to be able to get the PTO off? Is the manager going to be mad? So different type of pressure versus pressures that we can't really you know, share in terms of being a business owner unless, unless you're actually in the game. But yeah, man, as far as answering your question on you feeling alone, there's obviously, yeah, there's, there's obviously been moments, um, but it's not necessarily bad. Sometimes things just are, you know, it could be good, bad. Uh, but I've recognized in my journey that a lot of things just are, right? Instead of trying to put labels of like, uh, this person's bad or good, or the situation's bad or good. Sometimes things just are, or it just is, right? And I know that may sound a little unique uh, or different uh, or interesting to the the listener, but it's actually a, a newsletter that I just put out, newsletter, blog, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, check it out on Substack if people are listening in, where I've been really enjoying like the shadow work. I've been really enjoying like the the alone, right? Uh, obviously, I love talking to people and, you know, having the podcast show and whatnot, but I've been really enjoying the like writing more and actually being alone and, and sitting with, with thoughts. What I've learned with writing, whether it's a blog, whether it's sharing like a story is just in a sense, mastering the art of communication. And when you type things out and you know, you think it sounds really good and then you go to the gym and you're on <laughs> meetings, you're a podcast and you're, you know, working with clients, doing these things, you go back to it that night, you're like, that's dumb. Why did I type that out? Right. Uh, so that's one thing I think that's helped me tremendously over the last month is like writing more. And I think being alone is amazing right now in my life, right? Like significantly less people, like you're not getting access to me because, uh, that's just where I need to be. A lot of people can't be alone. A lot of people need those distractions because uh, silence is very loud for most people. Yeah, sure. So sitting with those thoughts, thinking what you think about being alone versus being lonely is very mm, different. Interesting. Yeah. Very different. But yeah, man, it's been a wild, uh, a wild journey. Uh, again, in the blog post that I was mentioning, I think that a lot of people are in a race, right? They're in the rat race. They may have that nine to five that they hate. Uh, this aligns with my message. This aligns with my motto, the name of the podcast show, all for nothing, right? Like they're doing all these things for nothing or they're running somebody else's race. They're running somebody else's race on social media. Uh, you live in Columbus, Ohio, like me, and you see people in Miami or you see people in LA, wherever it may be, and they're flexing the houses on the wrist and these certain things, which is phenomenal, right? Like, do it. But it's like, oh, that's somebody else's race. Right. And if you're trying to run that race, you're not actually in your own journey. You know, people are clearly, uh, me included, right? Like we have to be very mindful of social media, what we're consuming. And, and ultimately, in my personal opinion, be more focused on uh, producing. On the focusing that, on you, like it's okay to be a little selfish. You know what I mean? Like look after number one, because like I referenced earlier, you know, comparing yourself to others, you're always going to lose. Always. I don't, I mean, look, you may be the most buff person, the tallest, the richest, what I mean, you're the most tan, the most athletic, even when he's injured guys, this guy is the most athletic injured person you've ever seen. I've gone. Come on now. Preach on him. <laughs> All right. Let me think. Uh, 
nicest Mercedes, has got more wristwatches than even a jewelry dealer, you know, in New York City. (laughs) Yeah, he's bare right now. My gut tells me that this year in 2024, we're going to see significant consequences of social media and people in the new digital economy, creators, influencers, coaches, consultants, people that's been in the game versus people that have not been in the game. And that's good and bad. You're going to see people that are even more losing themselves and they're running somebody else's race and they're actually very, very lonely, although they may not perceive themselves that way and what they're saying and doing online uh, versus the opposite of that, right? Um, But we're also going to, I think, see people that have climbed out of the ashes. And um, from my understanding, you've done just that yourself as well. And like, what would you say is that that one thing that people can do to get themselves out of the out of the ashes because fire for me it symbolizes a lot in my life it's how i lost my father as a kid to a house fire my first investment property burnt down those moments you think everything's happening against you in reality it's happening for you and that's where i've learned some of my biggest lessons and uh fire when it catches on fire in the wilderness and it's not a laser blue beam uh, like it was in Hawaii is what they were saying, I guess. Uh, uh, it promotes new life, right? It burns right. through unnecessary weeds and it allows for nutrients to go in the soil and for, for new life to be created. It removes the bullshit. It removes uh, the things that we're actually allowing for, again, that life to grow and, and to reach its potential. So I say all that because a lot of times if you are in the fire or you're in the ashes, in reality, it's happening for you. Very, very easy to say that if it's somebody going through that, right? Uh, but it's the truth. I think it's a very symbolic thing. So back to the question, uh, what is that one thing for you that helped in that moment? Yeah, I would say uh, gather clarity, get a bearing of where you are and see higher ground. And constantly see higher ground, I guess you'd say, and constantly acknowledge where you are getting clarity of your bearings so of course that comes first followed by seeking constant higher ground so you know acknowledge like this is what it is like you said it is what it is you know you are where you are that kind of thing be able to understand what got you to the heights that you've been to and got you to the lows that you're maybe encountering and then be able to look again to higher ground meaning higher than you were even at your highest highs and say, all right, like I now know so much more. And I think when you learn through pain, it makes much more of a difference than when you're just winning, winning, winning. Like we've seen with crypto or real estate, or I mean, there's a million other asset classes I could call out and trigger people, but uh, marketing, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I've done all of these different things. Wow. The whole thing of Warren Buffett, like, you know, when the tide goes out, you see who's not wearing any swim trunks or who's naked. I think a lot of people have really crushed it over the last few years. And there's also been a lot of people affected over the last few years by a million different things. But a lot of, in certain cases, non-true winners have been rewarded by being at the right place at the right time. I don't necessarily want to say it's luck. But I think those who, again, like I'm stating, acknowledge where the heck you are, what's happened to get you there. 
and then constantly seek higher ground, higher than you've been to before, or just higher than where you are currently. And I have had some really good people, Tyler, that I, I may connect you with, um, that have talked to me about some really massive lows they've had there. They happen to be marketing people who are now multi, 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 multi millionaires, uh, liquid millionaires, not just tied up in, you know, a company or something or tied up in an asset class. Um, these people, man, their stories from divorces to bankruptcies, ownerships screwing them over, economic chaos, you know, illnesses, sickness, et cetera, drug addictions, all that. Um, really weird and, and I'm blessed because I, I don't suffer from some of those things that may be more innate where people have like a propensity to cheat or, or do drugs excessively or, you know, drink excessively. I'm very blessed in that. Um, my only real sickness is like constant hunger to want to do better. And that can be many a times very beneficial. I think, uh, it's a net positive in life, but there are times where you certainly suffer, but in that quote unquote suffering, that's just a label living <laughs> of frankly, like you're high it, it, generally from where you were to like, Oh, I took a little dip and maybe it's even a dip like worse, you know, in these stories that I've gotten from some of my people lately. They went worse, almost like Trump back in the day where he was like, I looked at a homeless guy on the street and he was worth more money than I was. I mean, come on, he's, he now he's yeah. been, but, uh, sitting on gold toilets for quite a long time. I don't own a gold toilet. I would assume you have to have some kind of money. You could do the whole political debates of does he have money or not? Come on. Like something's going on. He's got some kind of money now, but. To hear that story when he's outside and someone who literally has nothing financially doesn't even have a home there in the cold New York City. And he's like, that guy's got it better than me. So, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, this kind of thing. But I think the the goal is to be up here. And sometimes to get up here, you have to kind of experience that wave. But just seeing this is where I am, being real with yourself understanding what got you to the highs and understanding what got you to this new low that is relatively low compared to the massive highs that you've had and then just rocket shipping way past those and not making those mistakes that you you learn beyond just reading a book which i'm all for please read please learn from others but i have certainly innovated where people have guided me um, I have certainly made mistakes of stuff that I've read in books or met people in person. And I, I would have to say it's so cool. I'm sure you've had your ups and downs. It's so cool to experience it and be able to write the book, the story, the novel of being able to use those to just, like you said, I'll, I'll loop it back with the fire to light a fire under you. You get comfortable. I don't care if you're doing a million dollars a day. Uh, look at Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, the guy that every salesperson looks up to. He, it wasn't enough. You know what I mean? And now I would say he's happier than he was when he was on that previous high, high, high that he lost. He, you know, he went to jail. His family was gone, divorce, all that stuff. So imagine that high. And guess what? That was just a high relative to his life. But now look at him and, you know, I'm sure his happiness rating and, uh, you know, how happy people are with him relative to back then, you know, people probably hated him when he was at his previous high. 
I mean, I'm saying the investors and stuff, you know, is the guys who worked with them loved them. Uh, you know, thank God you helped me make $500,000 as a broker in my first year. It's amazing. But uh, the people that they were obviously not doing right by to help prop up some of these brokers and people that worked around him. Um, now, man, I'm, I'm sure just as a net population, so many people now know him because he went through that chaos at his previous high in life that he probably never thought he could, you know, exceed ever again. And people have more admiration for him than he did in his previous high. And he clearly is higher now than he was then. Uh, and the guy could go to sleep and not have to take the whole plethora of drugs to be able to go to sleep. Yeah, well, that, that sounds boring. Again, yeah, right. I'll be I'm like you, man. It's basic average Joe. <laughs> yeah. He's going to a lot without drugs. Yeah, I like that, man. And, and one thing you had mentioned a couple of times in that is just like the people, right? Like the people by your side. But that's the beauty of the process as well. Like that's most of the time life tries to put, not life, most of the time adversity is disguised as water to put your flame out. But in reality, it's gasoline to make your flame bigger. It's just a matter of what you decide that to be, right? You get to decide what that adversity is. And I'm still learning every day in the process, right? We all are. If people come and go, that's fine. And if things come and go, that's fine. The places you go to, if that comes and goes, that's that's fine. Awesome. It's that eh, I don't really need people. And if you can get to that piece, uh, it's I want these people around. It's uh pretty cool game as well in terms of going through adversity, at least in my experiences to go, huh, you know more about validation of the people that you're around. And you're like, ah, oh, man, that one too. Right. And this is not to deflect, <laughs> right. It's not to deflect. It's like, oh yeah, you probably knew that. It's like, oh, they, yeah. were, all, they were only around for this, whatever yeah. this is. When you climb out of the ashes, ah, oh, the phone works again. That's weird. Right. When you got money or value, they'll come for you. Like, like with your real estate, right? Like the loan officers and stuff. They're like, Hey, you doing another deal, buddy? You do another deal? Like, you know, do you need us to get a loan together for you? And then yeah. let's say, uh, you're not doing some loans for a quarter or two or a year or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's very strange how buddy buddy you can be when, uh, financial materials going to someone versus when that is paused or, uh, you know, maybe you're more invested in a different asset class for that season of life. It's like, wait a second. We used to talk all the time and everything was great. We're best friends. And now I, I haven't heard from that person in six months. They used to call me every week, not even for the deal, so to speak. But yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, and phones phones work both ways, and you know, obviously there are those people that you can reconnect right where you left off. But uh, I think we know what we're saying, and I'm sure the audience does as well. Where uh, it's it's also hard, dude. It's so fucking hard to manage so many no. relationships, especially if you're a business owner because you're managing your team relationships, right? If you have team members and employees, you're managing prospects and clients. You're managing. Yeah family and friends, significant other, again, family and, and friends in that bucket, right? It's like, oh, okay, wait, these are acquaintances. This is actually family and friends. And then there's 
almost like another another bucket of like, yeah, if the power grid goes out, the acquaintances, <laughs> some of the family and friends, they're not in this other group, which is the ride or die. No matter yeah. who you are, how much money you have, et cetera, right? So, uh, and again, this is not me coming from, hopefully it's not taken as like a negative thing. It's just, it, it usually just comes down to people, right? It comes down to people of like, who's actually there for you versus uh, checking in, right? Yeah. Uh, not checking in and or checking in. What's the intention of checking in? Why don't you just try to do something, right? <laughs> like, right. you know, it's it's like false, false checking in in a way. So anyways, it's not to not to uh, be pessimistic and I don't want to be uh, putting people down in the dumps here. It's just real life stuff that whether you have a job, you're an entrepreneur, uh, you know, it, it's a wave, right? And it comes back to even the conspiracy, right? It's just energy, right? It's just energy <laughs> and emotions. And so uh, however you can, in my personal opinion, do your best to get out of those those shameful and guilty type thoughts. Uh, even for guys like you that may not have vices, right? Like you're not trying to do drugs or get drunk or, you know, go hook up with a bunch of girls or whatever the typical vice might be. I think what's actually funny is I'm recognizing uh, a lot of people I know and, and I could label this myself and it's, it's, uh, this idea of like being a, a junkie to personal development and you can shame yeah. and guilt yourself. Like you get, you're like, you're shaming and guilting yourself, achieving goals through shame and guilt versus through higher frequency of, you know, joy and love and all that other hippie shit. Right. It's just, I've thought about this a lot in, in my alone time, in my, in my writing, in my, like, oh man, I'm trying to like get this goal by shaming myself or guilty myself. And, and honestly, like this time of the year, filming this in January, 2024, People will shame and guilt themselves to lose weight in the new year, right? They'll shame and guilt themselves instead of having compassion around it. Instead of having like, I love my body. My body is a temple. Uh, I have compassion and grace for myself. So I, I want to and will live a healthier life, right? Instead of like shaming and guilting that next dollar that you earn or the next pound that you lose. I think a lot of people, when they really sit there and think, Am I shaming and guilting myself to get to this goal? Or am I doing the opposite? Am I being passionate, graceful to get to this goal? Yeah, it's very interesting. One thing I'll leave us with is on that note, how are you talking to yourself? I'll give you a quick example. If for a lot of people, if someone talked to you the way that you talk to you, how would you feel? And I think a lot of people, they'd be like, that person would be the worst human. I would never allow them in my life. I would avoid them like the plague. Well, guess what? Many people, myself included, you know, I, I think maybe you as well. A lot of us who are higher achievers, who are, you know, really mission driven, we're self-critical. Um, and that comes with a price to pay. So I'm not saying that you could totally nullify it or cancel it out. But what I am saying is you would not let that person in some instances in your life of how you talk to yourself to beat yourself up to get to the mission or uh, to achieve the goal. You wouldn't allow that. It would be crazy. I don't care if they're your own parent, uh, even if you have good relationship with them. 
or uh, a spouse, if they talk to you the way that you're allowing yourself to talk to you, like you said, uh, from a body image perspective or from a financial perspective or what have you, there wouldn't even be, I mean, if you have any self-love, there wouldn't be a chance that you'd allow that person to stay in your life for more than the first sentence or two that they ever say. So something myself as well as for the audience to kind of well, really kind of think about just if the stuff that you were saying was someone else, how much time would you let that person be in your movie? I, I would hope maybe one or two words. So like really kind of dig into that perspective and matter of kind of consider that. Are you being your best friend or are you being your worst enemy? And you need a flavor of those at different seasons in your life. However, I would, I would be willing to bet more people, especially in our community, uh, but in general population as well, more people than not probably have a worst friend enemy of sorts of self-talk that they could simply be more cognizant of, like I said earlier, you know, understand your bearings and seek higher ground. Accept that if that's the case and try to be aware of it and work on it to mitigate the enemy self-talk or the beat yourself up to achieve goals talk. Allow it to be a tool, like accept that it's part of your life. That's fine. Just don't let that to consume you as much as I think is, am I, am I totally off basis um, in saying that, that most people, perhaps they have more of that especially in our ecosystem, uh, for a select group of people, um, then they have the best friend self-talk. Yeah. Or they're just being a little bitch. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> no, <Priscilla. laughs> no, that's right there. Yeah. It's like, a word this year. I like to pick words and mottos and themes and, you know, things in life. So I'm going to go and thoughts and habits and, and whatnot. Right. But, uh, intention but my motto right now is the intention. What's the intention of this podcast? What's the intention of the listener listening in? What's the intention of uh, the next meeting? What's the intention of this person reaching out? What's my intention? What 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 am I secretly and subconsciously looking to get from this? Right? Because there has to be an exchange of value. Someone will, uh, you know, sell or be sold. Right? Like uh, someone is going to potentially have a benefit more than the other, but maybe not. Right. So like, what's the, what's the intention? Uh, and that's just very simple for me in terms of keeping things very simple. So what's the intention? Your, what's the intention of this process we're going out? What's the intention of this conversation? Uh, what's the intention of the thought? I think people that should go on and get out, you know, the new year going into a new way of life or business, it's focusing on the intention and maybe choosing a word for them. And like you said, choosing the word that's more of a a best friend talk versus your your worst enemy, right? And they say, yeah. right, keep your friends close and your enemy closer. And most people, they're their own enemy. Right. Yeah, you're keeping your enemy a little too close. They're inside of you 24-7. <laughs> In yep. certain instances, I, I that's just something that really stuck out to me. I heard that once before and I was like, man, if that is not one of the realest things I've ever heard, I don't know what is crazy. Like, yeah, especially for people in our space, it's just what's the intention of getting to those goals and, and how are you? Cause what you, what you think is ultimately 
the words that you're listening to, right? Which is ultimately what you're, what you're speaking. So what you think are the words that you're thinking of and or speaking, uh, and ultimately your actions and your actions become your habits, your habits become your destiny, right? I, uh, definitely fully align with that, but yeah, brother, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. This was a good talk. We're going to yeah. do this. I would say come on your podcast show, but you don't have to sell me on some bullshit demolition <laughs> going on over there. But no, uh, no we could take your wizard, uh, your wizard mind. We could have you like, again, we have people who are bankers and lawyers and all that stuff, but it's because they could apply that wisdom to our sphere. And I would guarantee you would love to have or, or be open to having these guys who are doing 10 30, 50, $100 million a year, you're not them, which is great from the perspective of who is Tyler versus a guy who owns a demolition company. Like you guys have a totally different outlook on the world. Well, to me, what better of a person to kind of bang ideas together and, you know, the way that you look at things with your, with your, you know, clients currently, I would think there could be some value to the people that we're dealing with. So yeah, I mean, I would not be opposed to having you on and I will, I'll get, I'll get you some of these people's names that I think are, you know, very wise, very impressive. And some of them, the stories are just insane. They're not Jordan Belfort. Fortunately, I don't direct connection to him, but I have some pretty badass people that I think would blow your audience away and you away. I mean, I was shocked when I heard their stories. I was like, man, it's incredible. You can care less about Jordan Belfort. I like Naomi and Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know what the fuck y'all <laughs> Jordan Belfort. Yeah. Can off. I like Naomi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I mean, I bet you like, uh, what's another? She was in the movie with Will Smith. He was like a magician. They would, they would steal stuff. That was actually a pretty fun movie. Yeah. Anything with her, Margaret Robbie. But I don't know what your fiance would say about that. I'm like, uh, doors closed. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's great, uh, man. You know, it was my, my couple people on the elevator list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Margaret Robbie's on most people's all pass list or something. (laughs) She's just from the knife when she goes, oh yeah, really? Yeah. Well, Hey, I mean, you gotta let the ladies have their, their list too. You know? Nah. No, <laughs> it doesn't nah. go. That's very Andrew Tate of you, right? Yeah. Only the like man it. gets what the man gets. The woman she can't has only about me with her. She can't have any other eyes. Yep. Just feed me grapes and fan me, fan me down. <laughs> just kidding. Like yeah, man. Well, you might need to move to Utah and come, come a different religion, perhaps, and you could have a few of these women. I'm working on my cult. I'm working on it. <laughs> What's the name of it going to be? I live I live by the Scientology HQ, World HQ, um, um, in Clearwater, Florida. So cults, very fascinating to me. So what would your cult name be? And uh, would you be religious-based for the tax benefits or no? Yeah, that's what's funny is most people don't realize the tax benefits. And obviously, this is my disclaimer, not financial tax legal advice, but, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's why I can religion or whatever the technical terminology is, uh, can rub people the wrong way in, in terms of how it's taxed and or not taxed. Uh, but right. my call would be all for nothing podcast. 
Oh, all right. Interesting. You're a part of it right now. Hey, all right. And I guess you happen to be the God or the deity by, by default. Is that right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. Then do we pray to you or, or what? (laughs) How do we, how do we thank? Oh, great. Tyler. Uh, I guess you could say just become a client and shut up or something like that. That would probably be. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'll probably skip on the whole call thing. That sounds like a lot of responsibility and uh, that sounds like a lot of energy. I'll pass, yeah. on, I'll pass on that. I ain't going to create a call. Yeah, again. So if you want to <laughs> connect elsewhere, you guys can text me, shoot me a message. That'll be below this video. And how do people get a hold of you? Right. Yeah. Um, my name is really unique. Chaitin Maycott. Um, so you could probably just Google me, but otherwise, um, on LinkedIn, on TikTok, um, and then Demolition Marketing Leads is the company for anyone who does have a larger demolition company. Got to be doing at least a few million dollars a year. Got to be able to fulfill a lot of jobs because our average client is getting like a hundred opportunities every single month, which they get the cherry pick, you know. So it's good for them, but they also got to be able to fulfill because things get that many opportunities and say to people who have like a perfectly good job, no, 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 only take five of them a month. However, you'll still make a ton of money doing that. Um, so you guys can find us at demolitionmarketingleads.com and then the podcast, which we are open to taking people that may not think that they deserve to be on the podcast, but we are open to it. So if you have insights that could be somewhat tangible molded into the demolition world, uh, particularly for demolition owners, uh, demolition contractors, et cetera. Would love to have you guys on that podcast is called Demolition Success Secrets. And similar to Tyler's, we have a lot of fun and we also share wisdom. So that, that way people you know, could have a forum to learn in a very tough business that can be boom or bust, can make you can become a decamillionaire in, you know, two years. You could also lose everything in two weeks if you take the wrong jobs. So yeah, we're we're helping them get opportunities, but we're also working with them to make sure that they don't take on too much too quickly. Um, so yeah, that's that's what we got. That sounds like most businesses, if not all of them. Uh, maybe not the the upside, but welcome to yeah, entrepreneurship. Right. Yeah, all the down the the normal businesses get all the downside, not the upside. But yeah, I'll tell you, man, these guys, it's a lot of money on the line, and some of them don't have best practices like taking deposits and stuff. So imagine like tearing down a skyscraper. You have to have a lot of team members, a lot of equipment. Uh, you're dealing with subcontractors in certain instances. Permits, you know, permits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking nightmare. It's crazy. And one little thing, I mean, God forbid a crane goes down. God forbid the building goes to the wrong angle. Like think of that. We we talk to our clients in smaller instances where they've seen houses, you know, they work on houses and farms and stuff like that. We've all seen the fail videos where a house can topple on the neighbor's house. A chimney, that was the exact example the other day on the podcast. A chimney tilted the wrong way while they were tearing down a house fully. It went through the whole other house. Big old massive chimney stack. Whoa. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, imagine a skyscraper. You better imagine. make sure that, that skyscraper goes right. First, imagine the World Trade Center's falling demolition style. Well, now that's a conspiracy for you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> one of our best videos, ironically, is about that. And it was not intended at all. Our clients talking about it and uh, everyone has picked up on our YouTube channel. Like, you know, what did they say? Building number? Was it building seven? Building yeah, 11? Building seven. So funny that like we were, it was literally not in the vein of that. We were talking about implosions and yeah, it picked up pretty heavy steam uh, just on our, on our fun little demolition based podcast. And people are like, all right, now I know the answer. Like we were not talking about 9-11 at all. Thank you. Thank you, Internet, for being so funny. Yeah, you will never be right or wrong on the Internet. Yeah, you'll just be, you know, like you referenced earlier. And and that's at first, I think people get kind of tripped out about it, but it's it just is like you're not you're special. You're not that special. Don't get that crazy over it. Just be cool. And uh, yeah, man, keep chasing perfection, knowing that perfection is not a thing. Uh, my man i had a blast man i appreciate you doing this and we'll uh we'll stay connected and yeah absolutely thanks for letting me come on tyler and thank you audience for listening to all of our fun interesting philosophical stuff and don't go in that egyptian pyramid unless tyler's gonna host the mastermind there which i hope he has really good ac or some fans or something (laughs) maybe a pinata like something because that room was i got in that room two minutes and i was like all right turn me around 15 minutes back down. So thank you guys. Really appreciate all you guys. Peace.